best way to do life is to anchor oneself to the one who made us in his image, God Almighty. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we'll take a look at men and women who walked with God. We will look at how God scripted their stories and draw courage from how he wants to script ours. We hope you enjoy. Good to see all your faces and those of you online, welcome. Uh, I know a lot of our online people you're watching live, but also throughout the week. So um, we're so glad that you're a part of this body here. Um, I just think that God is going to really continue to do something amazing here today. Uh, this morning, first service, there were some really neat things that happened, and I believe that our God is big enough to make things happen again, amen? And part of that is uh, that we just don't take for granted the fact that we're sitting in a purple seat this morning, and I don't take that for granted. I am so grateful that you're here, that you've made this choice to trust us as your uh, church, and uh, so we anticipate what God is going to do, Amen. And so we're, we're going through a series called They Walked with God, and, and last week we had some fun uh, looking at God's Word in a different way, where I was actually Ananias for a moment, uh, and uh, we got to see that story. And I, I pray that you went home and actually read Acts chapter 9, and I know those of us that are involved in life groups, which I think is a very good thing, um, where this is a monologue, uh, life groups is a dialogue, we go deeper, we shared a lot of insight with this uh, Ananias. So today, we're going to look at somebody that... I think if you grew up in the church, you've heard this name. You know, most of the names in this series, we kind of tried to use some names that aren't very, you know, well-known, like Ananias. But this one's well-known, but I don't know if we quite understand the history behind this individual. So I really believe that God is going to use this in a powerful way. He has already in my life. I hope it is true for yours. So before we get into all that, let's ask for the Lord's blessing. Amen? So Father, um, that's what we're doing. We're just asking God that you would bless this time, whether we're sitting here in the purple seats or we're at home or, or wherever, um, Lord, that we're hearing this. Um, we pray that we're not hearing Rob Denton. We pray that we're hearing you, Lord, and just use me as a tool, an instrument of sharing um, Isaiah's story this morning. And help us to be reflective, help us to interact with his life, and help us to pull out of this what you want for us in our own life. Thank you, Lord. Um, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. So I don't know. You'll, you'll probably see throughout this message that it was kind of one of those reflective um, weeks for me. I don't know why it was so nostalgic, maybe um, graduations and all that kind of stuff. But I, um, I was studying the life of Isaiah. That's who we're looking at today. And it reminded me of just um, the college days. And when I say college days, I mean college ministry. Uh, you know, many of you know I became a Christian at 18, uh, quickly started a, a college ministry, and that, that was a big part of our church. At one point, it was probably a third of the people at our church were 18 to 26-year-olds. How crazy is that? Now they're all the 50-year-olds. So, um, but there was a lot of different personalities that came in and out of that ministry, right? Brad, you're right there. Hannah, right? You guys, you guys met in that ministry. There's a, we had like 30 couples meet in that ministry. It was like a dating service. No, just kidding. Um, but a lot of different personalities. But particularly, there's this one girl I thought of. And um, really strong Christian, loved the Lord. But her brother wanted nothing to do with the Lord. All right? And so um, she would always invite him. And, and eventually, he started coming around. And um, he, he would make it known that he didn't want to be there. 
you know, like some of you that are here today. No, but, but <laughs> teasing. But the, the thing about him was he was very tall, really skinny, shaved head. I think he had some tattoos. Um, he was what they called back in the day a punker, you know, um, you know, with that music and that kind of stuff. And then there's some, there's some habits that you kind of had. And there was kind of groups of people that you hung out with that maybe weren't God honoring. So this is where he comes from. But he would show up. And that's good, right? Whether he had bad intentions or not, he was there. And so he would show up and he'd make it known and make it uncomfortable. But as he came more often, he at least got closer into the group, right? You know, he wasn't the guy sitting way over in the corner. And then over time, uh, we would have retreats. I mean, our college group, we did river rafting retreats. We did snow skiing retreats. We did uh, just, you name it, all kinds of, beach retreats was a big thing. So this particular beach retreat that I remembered, he signed up for. I was shocked that he would go want to spend a weekend with Christians. And we're at Emmerwood, you know, up in Ventura, and we have all the tents, and we're doing all the camping, and we have the speaker and the worship and the fire, but he would not even be close to the group. He was just off to himself. God got him. I don't want to get into the whole story, but eventually, coming around us long enough, we wore him out. No. <laughs> he gave his life to the Lord, um, baptized him. And then I don't know the time frame. I don't know if it was six months, one year, two years. I, I don't remember that. But I know that we were signing up a team to go to Red Mesa, Arizona for a missions trip. We were going to go to an Indian reservation, and we were going to build a house ground up. He signed up. I was blown away. But then I knew that the, the, the living conditions for that week was going to be two-man tents. Guess who I put with him to be his tent mate? This guy. And I mean, I was scared. He was scared. You know, just this little barely two-man tent. But we got to spend a week together helping build a house, playing with some kids. And I want to tell you, I saw a different guy. You know, he's, got, he's given his life to the Lord. He's playing with kids, but he was this kind of guy. He'd be down on the ground having fun with them. And then if you walk by, he'd be like, all serious, right? Because you can't do that. But he was building. He was working hard. I'll never forget this. I, I know I have a picture. I could not find it. It was an early evening in Arizona. You know what the sky looked like, right? All the beautiful colors. And the sun was setting over the hill. You got the rocks. You got the cactus. Um, we had worked hard all day. I had just washed up. I, I was in my tent. I got out of my tent, and this is what I saw. I saw this young man. Somehow he, find a, he found a wild horse. He got on top of it. He had a cowboy hat on. And I see him amongst this setting. And it was like yesterday. I was like, God, you are in the business of changing lives. Punker turned cowboy. <laughs> Lost turned found. Shut down turned open. And I want to tell you, God was in the business of changing that man's life. And he's in the business of changing lives still today. Amen? Our God has not given up 
on us, even though we may have given up on, our, uh, on ourselves. And today, as we look at the life of Isaiah, we are going to look at a man that had a life-changing moment. And I pray that we draw courage from his story. So let's jump right into it. If you're taking notes, number one, write this down, Isaiah, okay? Isaiah. And I want you to get to the book of Isaiah. You could probably open up to Isaiah chapter six. We'll get there in just a moment. But I want to give you some background. Isaiah is a prophet of God. And, and, and here's what I want to do. And I'm trying to be more and more sensitive of this because Although this room is filled with many Christ followers, which I say amen to it, and we need to be here at church, we need to be sitting on the battery, we need to be encouraged, we got our rear ends kicked maybe this week, maybe we're feeling a little depleted, maybe we're rejoicing, we need to be with the saints, amen? We need to be with each other, and we need to be rejoicing, that's the church. But here's where my heart is. I want also in this room, I want a bunch of people that are from out there in the world that have no clue who Jesus Christ is, and they have no idea why they came here this morning or why they tuned in online, but they're gonna hear the message of God, amen? And so part of it is we preachers, we kind of, we speak Christianese sometimes. We use all these big words and we make all these assumptions. So when I say Isaiah is a prophet of God, I wanna clarify what that means. In the Old Testament, God used prophets and priests, right? So what's the difference between a prophet and a priest? A priest, kind of like today, represents the people to God. Right? So you go to the priest, and then the priest represents the people and speaks to God on behalf of the people. A prophet represents God to the people. Does that make sense? That's the difference. So, so a prophet hears from God, and then God expects the prophet to speak to the people. And so Isaiah is a prophet of God. Isaiah comes from an aristocratic family, you know, high society, kind of the, the, royal, the royal family. Uh, most of his time, and, and we're not going to get into this, but most of his time, most of his ministry was spent in um, the kingdom of Judah. And these people, just like all God's people, the Israelites, they were very cyclical in their faith, maybe like us today. They were hot one moment, they were cold the next. They were following God at one moment, and then they were shaking their fist at God the next moment, going, why are you doing this to us? Can you relate to that? So this is the ministry. These are the kind of people that he is engaging with. Um, he, he continually had to deal with the frustration of the ins and outs of these people. Isaiah was the most quoted. Did you know that? Isaiah is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself quotes Isaiah. Did you know that? So this is the guy that we're talking about. Uh, he lived during political insanity. I think there were six kings assassinated during his time in 25 years. Um, he pronounced all sorts of things. If you read the book that he wrote, Isaiah, if you read Isaiah, you're going to see that uh, he pronounced God's judgment, Israel's blindness, among the things. He's the one that lets us know about how Satan fell. He talked about God's grace, God's mercy. He called for a turnaround, repentance. He pointed to Jesus, especially if you read Isaiah chapter 53, the suffering servant pointing all to Jesus and what he's going to do. He talked about hope, hope for the people. And so this is the guy that we're studying today, but he wasn't always that guy. So let's read Isaiah chapter six, verse one through four. And I'm a very visual person, so maybe you could read along with us, or maybe you close your eyes and you just picture what's being said here. 
Verse 1, chapter 6, Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, two wings that covered their face, two wings that covered their feet, and two that they were flying with. And they were calling all around to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Church, can we read that last line together? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. One more time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, church, that is powerful. And in verse 4, it says, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with what, church? It's filled with smoke. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, God's holy. God's holy. See, this was just another day for Isaiah. It would not have been unusual for him to go to the temple and to to go worship God. And, And that's what I think he was, that's what he was doing. And that was what his expectation was because he was only expecting what happened every time he went to the temple, right? The same old, same old. Maybe like some of us with church right? It's like, all right, the alarm goes off. Oh yeah, it's Sunday. I got to go to church. And, and, and then we go take our shower, I hope. At least brush your teeth. You know, you get over here and you're, gonna, you're looking forward to meeting certain people that you like to see. Or maybe you're that person that's like, I just got to get in there and hide. I don't want to talk to anybody. Or maybe you're the one that wants the old-fashioned glazed donut. So you're going to get here early and make sure you get that one. I don't know what your expectations are. Then you come in here and you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in here for an hour. Then I could check that box, right? And, and, and a lot of times, maybe our expectation is just that, the same old, same old. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's probably real for a lot of us. It's been, depends on the Sunday. That could be real for me, right? It's like, okay, we got to go, go, we'll go do this. But here's what I love about this story. And here's what I love about us. You read this story, and it's not the same old, same old day at the temple, is it? Is it, church? Like, this is a different time. His expectations were the same. It was going to be the same old, same old day, but he's there, and now he sees this angel with how many wings? Six wings, two covering its face, two covering its feet, and uh, two so it could fly. I don't know if that's how it did it or this or whatever. That was kind of weird. Anyways, and then... And then he sees God. It's kind of like the burning bush moment for um, Moses. Isaiah gets to see something most people don't get to see. He gets to experience something most people don't get to experience. And that leads me to this question. Have you ever experienced the unexpected with God? Have you ever experienced out of the box with God? And, and, and like an example might be like you come in that same old, same old, and you're like, it doesn't mean you have a bad heart. You're just like, here I am, all right? And I'm going to listen to God's word. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do all those things. And you come in here, and all of a sudden, there's a song that's being sung. And there's a lyric 
that maybe you've sung 10 times, but this is the first time it hits you because of the week and all of a sudden your heart is racing or all of a sudden peace is just consuming your heart where chaos was and you're, you're, you're just like, you're ready to burst because you feel so alive. You feel so connected with God. Have you had those moments? Like, like literally for me, you know, worship can be one of those things. I'm one of those weird pastors. I actually like to worship. You know, and, and it sounds judgmental and probably is, but I just don't get the pastors that, that sit in the green room or sit in their office and wait for worship to be done and then they come up on the stage. Like, like that doesn't make sense to me. Like worship helps me to get here to preach. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's an overflow of my, my relationship with God. So that's just kind of me, all right? But with that, I think sometimes you have that experience during worship. That happened with me last week. Like, I, I was just, you know, I'm in the routine. I'm experiencing, you know, I love God, this and that. But, but when we sing this song, um, I want to speak the name of Jesus, I needed that one at that moment. Now, for you, you it's like, oh, this is a good song. And God, yes, that's cool. But for me, it was like, oh. And that doesn't happen all the time. Maybe, maybe you've come in here and someone sings a special song and you're like, you're in tears. I had so many people say that on Mother's Day. They're like, oh, I was just a God, you know, and because they needed that. They weren't expecting it. Or maybe you hear a verse from Pastor John and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you have special insight into my life. I needed that verse. How did you know that? Or Pastor Rob, and it's like, here's the secret. We don't know it, but God does. And so when we come with just the ordinary in our heart and mind, be ready because God sometimes wants to do the extraordinary. And he will do things that you weren't expecting. I, I think that's what Isaiah experienced, amen? Like, are you kidding me? He got to experience God, a six-winged angel and, and God's presence and holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And again, going nostalgia, I had to answer that own question in my life. And there was the, one of the, I think the biggest moment for me where it was an aha, like I did not expect this. And I looked it up, it was 2000. I totally forgot, 2000. So we... Our church, uh, there were two families that many, many years ago got, bought us a brand new van, a 15-passenger van for our church, for our youth group, for our children, for our college group. We wore that thing out. Camps, Mexico. I mean, we went everywhere in this thing. Um, by the way, if you ever want to donate one of those things, we could use that. That might be the unexpected thing right here. Um, but we took it one time. I heard about this group that was gathering in Tennessee. It was the first time they were ever going to do this. It was called um, One Day uh, Passion, and it was going to be only for college students. So I think we got eight or nine of us to go. We literally got in this 15-passenger van and drove to Tennessee straight, 36 hours. We never stopped except for gas. And, and you're like, what about food? Well, whatever the gas station had, that's what, I mean, it was awful. But we just went. And we showed up to Shelby Farms in Tennessee. 
And this is when there was this brand new guy called uh, Matt Redman. And I think Chris Tomlin maybe was just coming on the scene. And there's a lady named Christine Kane, and har- hardly anyone knew her. We arrived to this farm, this field, 10,000 college students on a field. And anybody that came on the stage was not allowed to say a word. All they could do is lead us in worship. 24 hours straight of worship out on an open field. And I thought, oh, cool road trip. It'll be cool to hear some of these guys. It was life changing. It was like the closest I felt like seeing God. I didn't expect it. And there was a transformation. Have you had those experiences in your life with the Lord? This leads me to this, this, this point that we see here. Second point is God's holy. God is holy. This is what Isaiah is experiencing. It. He may have known those words, but now he was living it. You see, one of the things I learned in studying this week, I had, I've never heard this before. In the Hebrew uh, culture and in the Hebrew language, when, when, when something is said three times, it's kind of like, I liken it to a highlighter for us. You know, when you're reading something and you highlight it, why do you highlight it? Because the, the, you want to make, uh, it, it emphasize it, right? It's, it's an emphasis right there. And so in the Hebrew, when something is repeated three times, it's to emphasize it. And holy, holy, holy being said by the angels, there's an emphasis here. Like this is big time stuff. And by the way, I learned something I never knew. I never knew this. Think about this. Think this through. Never in scripture are three words used like this about the character of God. You don't ever see the words, God is just, just, just. God is kind, kind, kind. God is loving, loving, loving. Compassionate, compassionate, compassionate. You don't see that repetition except for with the word holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. It was one of those mic drop moments. Max Licato, one of my favorite authors and preachers, says this, the first and final songs of the Bible magnify the holiness of God. That was something new for me too. And he said, here it is, the first song in scripture, Exodus 15, 11. Right after the Israelites uh, crossed the Red Sea, they sang in 15, 11, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in what, church? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. And then the last song of scripture is found in Revelation chapter 15, 4. And it says, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name, for you alone are what? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been what, church? They've been revealed. For you alone are holy. Now, here's what we know about the word holy. The Greek uh, or the, 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 the Hebrew word is kadash, which means to be cut off or to separate. Uh, I would use the word unique. And that gets us to the place of who can we compare you to, God? Because you are unique, because you are holy, holy, holy. 
And I know that seems Christianese and it seems so far off. Like, what does that mean for me in 2023? What it means is there's only one God and you're not him. There's only one God. It's not universalism where all roads lead to all kinds of gods. You pick which one you want. It's not hometown buffet God. There's one God and he is unique and you're not him. And because of that, honestly, that should cause us to be in awe. That should bring us to our knees if we truly understand what it means for God to be holy. There's so many scriptures, especially in Psalms, where David wrestled with this. He really tried to wrap his his head around this. And, and honestly, as I share this with you, can I just tell you, it's easier said than done, amen? Like some of you naturally get this. Some of us, we really have to work at this. What Pastor Rob is saying is true, but I, I don't know how that translates into my life. And David wrestled with that. And, and yet here's some things that David said in, in Psalms 89, six, for who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Like he processed all, like, like who? Everybody that I know, even the, the kings and, and all those in authority, who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? Even, even outside of what I can see on this earth, who up there could even compare to God? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 18, with whom then? Will you compare God? To what image will you liken him to? Isaiah 40, 25, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says God? Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. I make known the ends from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon the birds of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. Did you catch that? Like if I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna do it. What I have planned, that I will do. You see, God is holy, my friends. He's holy, holy, holy. And that's amazing, amen? Max Lucado said this, I, I love this line. This is like worthy of taking a picture of. Unlike the potter who takes something and reshapes it, God took nothing and created something. Did you catch that? Unlike the potter who takes something and reshapes it, God took nothing and created something. And Isaiah's response is, and what he's hearing from the angels, holy, holy, holy. And then this leads me to this question. What was Isaiah's response then to God's holiness? Well, read Isaiah 6.5. Let's read this together. Are you ready? Isaiah's response is this. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Church, prophet, 
came from royalty, had all kinds of power. The unexpected happened during this worship time in the temple. And this strong, powerful man's response is what? Woe to me. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. My third point of the message from this story today is humble. Humble. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt the deep emotion of feeling ruined? I haven't scanned today like I did uh, the first service. First service, literally, just as I was saying those words, three, four people that I'd met with that week were sitting in the service. And those words were on their lips in different ways. And actually now, as I'm looking through here, the same is true in this room with people just I've met with just this week or talked on the phone with. Life can be hard at times, can it, church? Life could actually suck at times, can it, church? It could be confusing. It could be heartbreaking. And the truth is it could be all the opposite of those things too, right? It could be wonderful. It could be joy-filled. It could be purpose-filled, all those wonderful things. But I'll tell you something that really, really is hard. It's really hard to live, and it's really hard to want to get out of bed when you feel like you've been kicked in the stomach. Amen? And, and, and what's even harder about that as a Christ follower, you wrestle with this, but I'm supposed to have a smile on my face, and I'm supposed to trust in you, God, and I'm supposed to, and we fill in all these blanks, and then we condemn ourselves because we aren't all those things that we're supposed to be as a Christ follower. And as your pastor and shepherd, I wanna tell you, it's human to feel all those negative emotions. It doesn't make us a bad person. And God doesn't push us aside saying, get your attitude in check and then come see me again. I think our God understands why we're confused. I think our God understands why we may be angry. I think our God understands why we may be hurt. Physical pain is awful. Emotional pain is awful. Spiritual pain is awful. Can we agree on all that? And the feeling of feeling ruined, that breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for you. That fills that. And I wish I could just go in there and just push a button or flip a switch. And if I'm honest, in some cases, I wish I could just switch lives and just say, here, you just. But can I also be honest? Some of you don't want to switch lives with me. Because what you think I'm living might not be all that it's cracked up to be that you think you're missing out on. And vice versa. Um, Someone, when I was talking literally this week, said, man, I just wish I had a Facebook life. And you know my thoughts on that. I'm off it now. Um, But, you know, 
we are always on Facebook comparing our worst with people's best. Because most people don't put their crud on Facebook. They just put the, oh, look it, I've got a drink in my hand and I'm in a happy place. How many times have you been in those happy places where people pose for those pictures and I kid you not, within a second, the picture's taken and then it's all the time. Church, Isaiah was ruined. He was comparing himself to God's holiness and you're always gonna come up short there, aren't you, church? But I think he needed that in his life at that moment. Maybe he had an easy life because of royalty. Maybe he had an easy life because he's the prophet. Maybe, you know, and God in that moment showed himself and he was humbled. I am a man of unclean lips, he says. I wrote this down. In the presence of God, he became self-aware. It's not about me. It's about him. You see, humility comes through not seeking it, but through seeking him. We don't seek humility, we seek God. And when we find God, humility comes. Because then we realize we're not all that in a bag of chips. And we have to humble ourselves and rely on this God that created us that has our back. And that's the key. He has our back. He's not out there to get you. Amen? Job experienced that, didn't he? Job lost almost everything, and, and then, you know, he, he literally, for about 30 chapters in the book of Job, he shakes his fist at God, and he just screams at God, and he tells God how bad he is, and God, why didn't you do this, and God, why did you do that, and why did, right, all that for 30, and God's so cool, he put up with Job for 30 chapters, <laughs> and you know what, God's so cool, he's put up with me for 54 years, and my silliness, that's what's so cool about God. That's part of his holiness. He's unique. Most of us can't put up with whining people in our lives for that long. At some point, we just go, shut up. (laughs) Get out of here, you know? God just, but then finally God says, brace yourself like a man, Job, right? And he takes him for a walk and says, hey, see all those colors of the field? I created all those colors. See the mountains? I made them short. I made them tall. I made them wide. You see the ocean where it stops? I'm the one that stops the ocean right there. And he takes him for a walk. And at the end of it, he's basically Job goes, oh, that's right. I'm not God, you are. And then he writes in Job chapter 42, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, I think there's something beautiful about the holiness of God. When we sit in his presence and recognize his holiness, it brings reality and perspective to us. And we, we don't own all the things that we, we own and that we think we're in control of. We realize, "Ah, that's right, I'm not God. I'm just me, but he and I got this together. Amen? Micah, his contemporary prophet, says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Here it is. To act justly, to love mercy, and to what? Walk humbly. Max Lucado says it this way, God's holiness silences human boasting. God's holiness silences human boasting. And so look what happens next. This is what happens next. In Isaiah chapter 6, 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me, 
After I said, woe was me, after I said, I'm ruined, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Church, church, listen to this. Just within seconds, he goes from woe is me and and I'm a a man of unclean lips and and I'm ruined and he has this experience where he gets grace. He He wouldn't even know what grace is. At best, he would think of mercy, but that wouldn't even be in this moment. And God gives him what he needs. God gives him forgiveness. God gives him grace. He gives him beyond what he expected in that moment and he he's overwhelmed from this feeling of I'm a piece of garbage to now God has got me and I want that for you today I don't want anyone walking out of here thinking that you're less than anyone walking out of here thinking that you're ruined thinking that you have sinned so bad that God doesn't care about you that's the message the evil one wants but God says I love you I love you. you. You may have those feelings, but I love you. And I'll tell you why I love you. I didn't put coal on your lips. I sent my son, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross for you. So you have the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit in life eternal. None of us did anything to deserve that. All of us have been forgiven. You may feel ruined, but you are not ruined. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so that leads to the fourth point of God's grace. God's grace. Then I heard the voice, whom shall I send? And I will go, that leads us to the last point. Yes, Lord. He's like, man, this has really helped give me perspective. God, I'm not, but you are, so let's go. Church, that's me. I probably feel less than, more than you would ever imagine. And I hate saying that to you. But then I'm reminded when I sit in front of the cross that God's grace is sufficient for me. And if I say anything other than yes, Lord, then I'm saying your son's death on the cross was not good enough. Will you say yes, Lord? You can't until you have that face-to-face experience with God, hopefully on a daily basis. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that we're not ruined, even though we may feel like that. And God, thank you for touching our lives, not with coal, but with Jesus. And God, may our response be yes. Just like Isaiah, who went on to do so much for you and had a front row seat, I pray that we, all of us in this room, would experience that too. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, 
please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all.